Welcome to Short Course, episode 56, for April 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I shot the South Carolina sectional this past weekend, as I talked about on the podcast last weekend, and I thought I would talk through the stages, how the match went, and what I'm taking away from the match as far as steps going forward. So, uh, my wife and I shot the match Saturday on the PM shift, so we drove down uh, early Saturday morning, about a three-hour drive down to the range in Tabor City, North Carolina, which is just over the border from like Myrtle Beach, maybe 30 minutes north of Myrtle Beach, I think. And yes, it was slightly ironic that the, the, the South Carolina match was actually just over the border in North Carolina. Um, but I mean, to be completely realistic, there were not any other South Carolina clubs. I, I mean, I assume there, there weren't really any other South Carolina clubs volunteering to host it. Um, it's, you know, for a while it was at the, at Palmetto Gun Club and they did a great job with it, but you know, it's a ton of work and I get that they don't necessarily want to do it year in, year out. And so Low Country was able to, to step in. I mean, they, they pretty much straddled the border anyway, but the fact that they were able to, to step in and host a match, I think is awesome. And, and they're a pretty young club. I, I actually got to meet a couple of the folks involved in running the club match who were involved in running this match at last year's South Carolina section where they were, they were running a stage which is cool. So they were able to, to take it over, which again, don't, don't take your, even, even state matches, don't take them for granted. If, if clubs are getting burned out and it's, it's a ton of work and people are, aren't, aren't really, um, appreciating all the work that goes into it, then they kind of don't want to do it anymore. So glad that, glad that low country was able to pick it up. My match, um, I would say, I'd say I'm pretty happy with it. Given the amount of practice that I've been doing leading up to the match, I think I did about as well as I could be, as I could have expected to. I had sort of set in my mind the number. So I, I knew that Jacob Hetherington, who's the USAMU pistol shooter who shot nationals last year, I think he took third at production nationals. At that match, I shot 83% of him, and my goal was just to close that gap just get a little bit closer than I was. That that, would, that was kind of one of my markers of, okay, I, I'm making progress. And I did that. Not a huge gain, but I ended up coming in 86%, took third production. And that, so sort of numerically, that, that goal was met. And it tells me that I'm at least keeping up, you know, even though I, I did have a pretty extended off season and, the, you know, the, the practice weather hasn't been the greatest. I'm at least off to a decent start. I'm not starting a lap behind where I was last, uh, last October. So that's a good thing. And I have to say it, the match was 10 stages. It was pretty high round count for better or worse. So I, I think, I think the stages were a pretty representative sample. You know, you get, you get too small of a match and it's hard to necessarily really shake out the, the winners and the losers. But I think the, the stages were a extremely diverse test of skills there was a, a really, really pleasant variety of target difficulties. It wasn't a lot of up-close hoser stuff, although there was one stage that was pretty heavy on that, and, and some of that mixed in everywhere. But there was there was a good, I thought, a, a good variety of target difficulties. Uh, so it seemed like a, a good test in terms of determining a, a winner and a sort of a relative ranking of the shooters. I thought it was pretty good. And again, given that I was coming into it without dry firing much and having made some pretty significant technique changes, particularly just around the the way I'm gripping the gun and pulling the trigger, which is showing good results. 
I will definitely say one of the things that was interesting is is I had more more targets in this match that were to Charlie, and it was a tight group, maybe a you know two inch group in the Charlie. I had a lot more of those at this match than than I'm used to, which I take as a good thing in the sense that it's <laughs> it tells me that my progress in one direction has brought out in clear relief one of my bad habits, which the bad habit is shooting too early coming onto the target. So I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have a bad habit of, as I'm transitioning onto the target, I'll, I'll break the shot. I mean, even, even to the point of I'll shoot alpha Delta on a target and the Delta is the first shot. So it's as soon as I'm, as soon as I'm breaking the cardboard, fire that shot. And then as the gun goes up and comes back to recoil in recoil, it returns to the A zone. And then the second shot is the alpha, which is usually not when people shoot alpha Delta, it's usually not on that order. And that's just a, that's just a bad habit of mine, I just get a little bit impatient as soon as the front sight tracks across that, across the, the cardboard instead of into the A zone. So, you know, good news is the the gun is tracking well, it's returning very well, and I'm, I'm able to shoot the gun quickly. The bad news is if I'm aiming it in the wrong spot, then it returns to the wrong spot. And so I racked up a, a fair number of two Charlies, which is, it's one of those things where it's not great, but at least it's, I, I take it as a positive. It's It's showing progress. The stage planning, I, I would say, honestly, this didn't really feel like much of a, a test of stage planning, just in the sense that the a fair number of the stages were fairly straightforward. There, there weren't too, too many options. And the ones that were tended to be the ones that backed up. So by the time we got there, there was supposed, I think lunch was supposed to start at 1230. And then the afternoon session started at 130. And I think the, the stages on some of the bays, the, the morning squads didn't end up finishing probably until 1245 or one. And so by that point, I wasn't going to walk to the to the other side of the range just to get a, a quick walkthrough on those stages when we needed to be back to, to start shooting at 130. And I was trying to get my gear on. So about half the stages. So the, the range was divided into basically there were six stages at the front and four stages at the back. And we started on the, the first stage of the back section. So I got to kind of see all the, the four in the back. But the, the six in the front, the first time I got to step foot on them to, to sort of see the target presentations within the, the fault lines was during our, our three-minute walkthrough, which in every scenario, I was able to come up with an acceptable plan. But it definitely – there was definitely meat on the bone, I felt like, you know, watching other people's stage plans on some of the stages, not all of them, but on some of them. Uh, the ones – for those of you that shot the match, the ones that come to mind in that respect would be like stage 10 and stage 2. Although I'll say even even in retrospect, even after getting to see everybody's videos, stage 2 was an example where I probably would have run roughly the same plan in terms of going to the same spots and reloading in mostly the same places. But just coming in, shooting on different targets just because – if I'd had a few more chances to walk it through in the shooting area and actually see, oh, moving from this position to that position, uh, this target presents before that one. And I was I was so focused on just hitting all the spots and being able to, to shoot everything static that adding those extra details about taking a, a target coming in, you know, which one can you see first? Are you able to, to shoot it from a stable position? Th those sorts of trade-offs and, and little polish things didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to work that stuff in. But that said, I don't think those are the things that really separated me from the the people that did better than me on those stages. I mean, stage two actually is an interesting example because by percentage, that was actually my worst stage, uh, not because I executed it particularly poorly, uh, but just because the, the high hit factor was set. So I, I shot it in about 20 seconds 
and Jacob Hetherington shot it in like 16 something. And so you just, I mean, even if your points are great, when you're 20% slower, you're just, you're sunk. Uh, I actually, there were, so there were three other stages where I took a mic for one reason or another. And all three of those, I had a higher, a higher stage percentage than, than that one, which actually ended up working out to be, like I said, the, the worst stage of the day for me. And that's actually one that I've been, I've been thinking a lot about because I think that stage is pretty representative of something that I need to fix in my shooting going forward. So I, I do appreciate the fact that Jacob did post his stage video from, or his video from that stage on uh, Instagram, I think. And it was just interesting watching him because we shot roughly the, the same plan in terms of going to the positions in roughly the same order, but he was just so much more controlled and looking at, at my plan and my execution, I was thinking about it much more as go here, go here, go here, and all the, all the movements in between sort of trying to rush through those and then get to the spot, shoot, and then move to the next spot. And so it ended up being a, a very sort of herky-jerky run. And so even though each individual motion was faster, it ended up being an overall slower run just because I was there was more excess movement. I mean, it's, it's the same principle that you can see in, in the micro level in a lot of techniques. I tend to think reloads are particularly susceptible to this, where someone looks like they have a very fast reload, but it ends up just being very busy. They're doing a lot of, you know, shaking the gun around and moving it around and grabbing the mag and their elbows are going all over the place. And really, if you can just move the gun as little as possible, drop the mag straight down, turn the gun just enough to get the mag in, bring the mag straight to the gun, a really good reload doesn't actually look all that fast because it, there isn't that much going on. But a very busy, active reload can look fast and on the timer actually be quite slow. And so that, that's I think that's the, the way I would characterize it is my, my run on that stage was very busy and I need to I need to focus on just being more smooth. So yeah, so takeaway number one, make sure to index to the to the A zone, not just near it. Don't just index to the middle of the target and then sort of shoot two two shots. Uh, takeaway number two, don't be busy, be smooth, be efficient. Don't don't be in such a hurry to get somewhere that you're overrunning positions, which I was spending more effort accelerating and then more effort decelerating when if I was just sort of cruising at the right speed between positions, because it was a pretty, it was a, it was a pretty small shooting area. And so there really wasn't that far to move, but I was really trying to push and go fast uh, in part, just because I'm trying to not necessarily push and shoot faster, but, but harness the, the sort of increased speed that these technique changes allow me to shoot faster. But I let that sort of spill over into my into my foot speed and my motions and and like I said, turned out very busy. One thing that I'm definitely proud of is just the fact that I feel like I have been struggling recently with visualization and I talked about this on past podcasts, particularly as the stages get to the end of the day, not visualizing as well, getting a little bit complacent and having stages where I'm not hitting my marks correctly, or I'm kind of meandering around, or I'm a little bit hesitant. The gun isn't sort of snapping to the next target decisively. And that was pretty much absent from this match. There was really only one mental error to speak of, and it was it was on stage one, which was our fifth stage of the day. So it wasn't, it wasn't a mental fatigue thing. It was actually um, kind of going back to something that happened a couple months ago when I shot uh, Can You Count at a club match, which was the first time I'd ever shot that classifier. 
And I think I talked about it on the podcast and I, I said something about like, I don't actually shoot up close hosing stuff all that often. And so I'm actually really never quite sure what to expect. And this was a kind of interesting stage where you started basically standing at these barrels and there were three targets, you know, a yard away from you at 45 degrees on the ground, but you had to pick up your gun, which was on a barrel to the right of you and your mag, which was on a barrel to the left of you, load the gun and then shoot these three targets before leaving the position. And coming out of a, a previous match where I was, it, there, there've been a couple experiences recently where I've sort of on unloaded starts, I've been in too much of a hurry to get the gun loaded that I end up kind of rushing that bit and and making more mess of it. So I was just so focused on getting the gun loaded and then getting a good grip and just shooting the targets that it actually it actually went better than I expected. Or it went really well and I didn't I would say I really didn't have any expectations per se, but as I was leaving that position, I remember consciously thinking like, "Hmm, wow." And I it, the targets were so close, I couldn't help seeing the holes in the targets and it was six alpha. So as I'm leaving that position, I'm thinking, hmm, wow, that was pretty good. All right. This grip stuff is really working. And I get to the next position and I start shooting and I end up shooting two targets that I was supposed to shoot there. And then from those two, I was supposed to index over to a third target over to the right. And in front of me, there were some other targets that were available, but I was going to move forward and take them from the next position. But I was so caught thinking in the past tense about the targets that I just shot that I just, I, I, started shooting these targets that were right in front of me, I just basically flipped over into autopilot because I was I was shooting in the past tense. But I mean to to give you an idea, so this is um this is the audio from that stage, which if you want to see the video, the link is in the show notes, or you can just go to my YouTube channel and search for South Carolina 2019. But it it sounded something like this, which if you listen, you'll actually hear the sound of the slide closing is approximately three tenths of a second before the first shot. And then it's an 18 split, 22 transition, 18 split, 24 transition, 18 split, which I don't usually shoot splits much faster than 20s because I find in matches that's usually pretty much good enough. So to actually be shooting that fast and shooting alphas was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But the time to be admiring it was not during the stage. But anyway, here you go. So, yeah. Problem is, I mean, I guess problem one is I'm not used to up close hosing stuff. So I should probably throw some of that into practice just to get used to it because it's actually kind of caught me up twice now where I'm not really, I don't, I don't see a lot of value in practicing that. I don't think it, it necessarily builds that much skill relative to the other things that I have to work on. Uh, but it's sort of surprised me enough in practice that or in, in matches that I should probably practice it just so it's not surprising and bringing me in the out of my sort of subconscious shooting and, and taking me out of that present tense shooting, which is funny because I was thinking about this. And so I actually went and pulled out my copy of practical shooting beyond fundamentals, which is what introduced me to the idea of shooting in the present tense. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder what Brian Enos has to say about shooting in the present tense. And he says this on, on page 17, an awareness of the present tense is a very fleeting, delicate thing. The only way to achieve it is not to think about it. We all, if only for an instant, actually fire the gun in the present tense. For maximum performance, you have to stay focused entirely in the present tense all the time that you're shooting. This takes ambition, and especially so since no amount of actual work or thought on the matter can accomplish it for you. Present tense shooting must simply happen. It takes time and dedication to achieve a level of awareness that will allow you to focus entirely in the present tense as you shoot. 
but since this is a very nondescript thing, it mostly takes your understanding and belief in its importance. At some time after firing a stage, you will think back and realize that you were focused entirely in the present tense. It most likely will have been a very fulfilling performance. So, on the one hand, he thinks it's very important. On the other hand, not a lot of specific advice there on how to achieve this. So, that's a that's just another sort of focus coming out of this is is having a an emphasis on on shooting in the present tense and not being distracted. But um, if anybody has any suggestions on present tense shooting drills or mental exercises, I don't I don't really. I don't th- like. I don't think he's wrong in saying that it's not something you can really practice. But at the same time, it makes it a little bit interesting to try and get better at it if if you can't practice it. But I guess every match, every stage is a is a chance to practice and and just put a little more focus into shooting in the present tense, which is good because I'm shooting another match this weekend, so that'll be one of the uh, things that I'm taking into the match. One of the the focuses. So that's to me that's that's takeaway number three. And, you know, really, I, I think that's it. I think that's good. I, you know, there's a couple other little nitpicky things here and there, but I really don't want to over-index on this because, honestly, I feel like my shooting is in a generally good place and I just need to put in the practice that I really haven't been scheduling as well as I should have been and keep keep working on it. You know, it's a long time until November. This is actually the only the only major match on my schedule aside from Nationals this year, and Nationals isn't until the first weekend in November so I've I've got quite the marathon to 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 get through until then, which is fine because there are plenty of club matches around here and and plenty of practicing to be done. But the th- those those are really the main takeaways. Uh, the the other stages that I thought were somewhat interesting in, in terms of you know from a mathematical standpoint. So I did have one stage win, which was stage three, which is actually funny enough. It was the stage that I was the the least prepared for in the sense that it was the one that I. I was the first shooter up on and I, it was the only stage where I had not had a chance to walk it through and I didn't, I I was, I was first up on it and just had to execute. And I don't know if I just picked a better plan than other folks. I ended up winning the the raw time by, by about two seconds, which was, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good way to, to get a decent score on a stage, but I was certainly a little bit, uh, disappointed in, in my performance in the sense that I, I shot, it was a 32 round stage and I shot 11 Charlies on it, which still worked out to about an 8.8 hit factor. But I was, I was sort of curious. I was like, is that a, is that a high enough hit factor where shooting those Charlies doesn't really hurt me? You know, the higher the hit factor, the less point, the less time each point down is worth is, I mean, just just the way the math works. So even, so an 8.8 hit factor in production is pretty good. I mean, that's 32 rounds and just under 16 seconds. But doing the math on that, those two points for a Charlie, so to, to make a Charlie into an alpha, you break even at spending 0.22 seconds longer. So for example, that would be the difference between a 25 split and a 47 split, which most of the targets in that stage were, actually most of them were probably five to seven yards. The longest shots were maybe seven to 10. But the, the there certainly was time even at an 8.8 hit factor, it still would have been worth it to aim 0.2 seconds more and get the get the extra alpha. So that that's just an interesting example of, of one of those times when you can use hit factor math to tell you, like, is it okay to shoot those Charlies? And the answer is no. Like, there was still the, the winning, the absolute, like, peak possible, if this were a stage at Nationals, the guy that would have won it probably would have shot the plan that I shot, roughly, you know, maybe with minor changes, 
in maybe roughly the same time, but he just would have shot it down two or four Charlies instead of 11. So there, it is possible and the, the, those points would be worth it. And I don't, I don't think it would slow you down that much. It's certainly, like I'm saying, 22 hundredths being the difference between a 25 and a 45. You can, you can hit all alphas on five-yard targets shooting 45 splits, no problem. I, I guarantee it. Uh, and then stage six was the somewhat infamous long steel stage. It it had a bunch of targets up close at almost powder burn distance. And then there were five steel targets at 40 yards, three full-size poppers and two mini poppers. And I remember as I was looking at it and seeing some folks on my squad shoot it, I was like, mm, is it worth shooting the minis? The full-size, no problem. They They were... They were pretty much gimmies. Even at even at forty yards, a, a full size popper is a pretty easy target to hit. But the minis definitely were were giving people a little bit of trouble. And i I'd, I'd had a little I'd had a little bit of practice shooting a at a, a mini popper at distance just in in one practice session before the match. And I knew I could do it, but I knew my splits were going to be somewhere between like one three one two one three something like that. And and that's about what I could reliably do at a calm pace in practice. I wasn't burning it down. And, you know, I kind of thought even, you know, if I have to shoot it twice, is is 2.6 worth it? And what's interesting is, well, so first of all, what I found super interesting is the fact that the high hit factor across all the divisions was pretty darn close in for all of them. So because the targets were either so close or so far away, and it was an unloaded start, which drags it down a little bit, but for almost every division except PCC, for almost every division, the the hit factors were in the six-ish range, the high sixes, and you don't see that a lot. So that that was kind of that kind of caught my eye. But in production, in particular, I I did the math on what the, the hit factor was, and so for the guy that won the stage, which was not me, but for the guy who won the stage, it still was worth two point two seconds to pick up the fifteen points for for the mini poppers, and given that, I mean, like I said, in in practice, it had taken me no more than one five or one six to, to hit the mini popper. The the two point two was always worth it. And so that that's a it just reinforces the idea that that I've been sort of playing with for a while. Because, you know, around here we do from time to time at a at a major match there will be a, a disappearing target. And generally speaking, they're enough on the cusp that it's at least reasonable to think about leaving them. But at this point, I, I just I have yet to see it really work out. And generally speaking the, the way I, I would look at it now is if you skip targets, so like if you'd skipped those two, the, those those targets and just taken the misses, obviously you shoot a shot at them not to get the failure to shoot at, but you just take the misses, you would have been pretty much guaranteed to have a decent score. So you if you skip targets, especially if it's, a, I'd say, a somewhat risky target like that, you, you can get a pretty good chance at a 75-80%-ish kind of finish on the stage, but the 100% finish will always go to the guy that can hit the hard shots reliably every time. And so unless for some reason you're you're just happily settling for mediocrity or the target, you know, unless unless the, the disappearing target is just crazy, it's, you know, it takes a second and a half for the drop turner to activate and you got to stand flat-footed for all that time or something like that, you're almost always better off shooting the for the extra points just because it, it helps hook up all the extra reloads and all the extra movement that, that you're doing during the stage, all of the, the non-shooting stuff. And it, like I said, just interesting to, to run the hit factor math out on that one. 
and just see what what those mini poppers at 40 yards were worth because honestly looking at the stage diagram I was kind of wondering if they're if they were going to be worth skipping if it was going to be that far away and I also honestly I think I was overestimating how hard it is to shoot a mini popper at 40 yards if you know if you know your zero and you can set all the sights and press the trigger it's actually pretty straightforward as long as you're not in a hurry you just I mean you're not going to be doing it with 80 splits or something I mean man, you know who knows maybe but for me on practice day before this match it was it was in the low ones but honestly that's not that's not that crazy your hit factor would have to be pretty darn low before it's worth it to to eat 15 points to uh to not shoot one of those so just thought that was interesting but like i said match video for all this is in the show notes it's also on my youtube channel well that wraps up this episode of short course i post my match videos online at youtube.com slash usPSA if you want to support the podcast, consider buying a shirt at barryshooting.com slash shop. My email is podcast at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.